Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. Since the fall, nearly 4,000 asylum seekers have been bused to Chicago from the southern border. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and from WBEZ Chicago, this is Reset. The journey to find adequate shelter for migrants arriving in the city over the last few months continues to be a struggle. In a recent tweet, Mayor Lori Lightfoot said, quote, We're at maximum capacity in terms of housing and services. To give us a picture of what this looks like on the ground is Ere Rendon, Vice President of Immigrant Justice at the Resurrection Project, and Reverend Sandra Castillo, Chair of the Episcopal Diocese of Chicago's Sanctuary Task Force. Ere, describe what it means to be at maximum capacity. What are asylum seekers experiencing day to day? Yeah, so what's been happening over the last few weeks is um, most folks are now arriving um, kind of on their own, um, not through buses that are sent from Texas. So what happens is folks arrive, sometimes they show up at organizations like the Resurrection Project or ICRR or Taller de Jose. Um, and the process is we're supposed to call 311. When we call 311, unfortunately, we're being told that shelters are at capacity. And so either we have to find a neighbor who's willing to take folks in for a few days Mm -hmm. or folks have to wait at a hospital or at a police station until there's a bed available. The Resurrection Project coordinates uh, community and organization response and is in communication with the city. So what is the city doing to provide housing for these folks? Yeah, right now there's about 11 shelters that have been set up. Most of them have capacity of just a few dozen, um, maybe up to 100 or so. Um, And so the city is standing up shelters and has been, um, you know, trying to find locations that are big enough for folks to be able to stay and be able to spread out, too. We don't want folks necessarily crowded in big gyms. Um, But, you know, folks, these places have to have places for showers. They have to have kitchens so that uh, food can be distributed, dining areas, Um, and hopefully some capacity to be able to have things like, you know, computer labs so folks can start finding work um, and some privacy space so that, you know, shelters can become very intense if folks don't have any space to move around and, and be able to have some privacy. Yeah. And, and some are being housed at hotels, but that's not a permanent fix. And it might also shift soon, right? Correct. So um, the city does have a couple of of hotels it's working with, but primarily it's the state who's been working with hotels and is looking to you know, change that into more congregate um, housing, I'm um, sorry, into more um, housing that is uh, a little bit more sustainable and larger um, and perhaps be able to fo- uh, to centralize folks closer to the city of Chicago. So everything is shifting every single day. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a challenge to find space that's big enough and adequate to become shelters. Reverend Castillo, this is all on top of the ongoing need for housing that Chicagoans are experiencing. You know, there are different ways to calculate how many people don't have stable housing. But uh, Chicago's 2021 point in time survey it estimated that nearly 5,000 people were experiencing homelessness at that time. So I wonder what you say to people who say that these efforts are draining the city's resources to be able to meet that problem. You know, we call ourselves uh, Chicago uh, as a welcoming city. 
And um, we have to remember that when we're talking about welcoming, that we are welcoming not only newcomers, but we are also welcoming all the people of Chicago. And so we have to consider the fact and acknowledge the fact that we have communities of color that have been severely disinvested by our city government. And uh, so I can completely understand uh, this uh, irony that we have this severe housing issue to begin with, and now we have our newcomers. And so there's no easy answer to this, but uh, the final solution has to be an equitable treatment of all of our communities. Uh, We have to invest in all of our communities equitably. We have to provide sufficient housing opportunities for all the people of Chicago, the folks who have been here for many years, for generations, and our newcomers, because it shows great disrespect when we ignore the folks of, who have been here for many years. And our newcomers, our newcomers are hardworking, honest people who want to make a commitment to our community, and they, they represent the future. Uh, so I can understand that, but we also have to remember that um, we have to advocate at all levels. We have to advocate at the federal level, because immigration is a federal issue. Right. We have to advocate at the state level, and we have to advocate at the municipal level. And so uh, we recently learned that at the federal level, uh, Congress passed $800 million for FEMA through uh, Customs and Border Patrol that could be used. I emphasize the word could be used for asylum seekers. Um, that will take time to implement. We don't know how long that is going to take. And what amount will be uh, uh, attributed to Illinois. And also, at the state level, the General Assembly just passed a bill that doubles the funding for housing assistance, and that is regardless of immigration status. And so the state of Illinois has made a commitment to provide housing to community residents and also to our newcomers. But we have to continue to work for equity at all levels. And when we say migrants need long-term housing, what does that mean exactly? What's the time frame? Right now, we're um, you know advocating both at the city and the state level, and um, the the state's program has um, come up and is up and running now um, to provide some rental assistance for the first few months as folks get off on their uh, on their feet. Um, and so we want to make sure that we uh, assist um, the new arrivals in finding apartments, securing apartment, learning about leases, signing leases, perhaps providing them some rental assistance for the first few months. Um, and then after those months, you know, folks will be able to stay in their apartments and pay their rent. Your thoughts, Reverend? Uh, yeah, again, uh, we have to remember that all of this is connected. And so Related to long-term housing, one of the reasons why that would be necessary is because we have a lack of equity between refugees and asylum seekers. And again, we have to advocate uh, for the federal government to change policies so that there's an equitable treatment of asylum seekers who are treated very differently than refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I support refugee resettlement. There's no question about that. However, however... When refugees arrive in this country and they're settled into a community, they're provided with six months federal funding and they're provided with immediate work permits. 
I cannot begin to tell you how many times in talking with the folks coming up uh, on the buses that people have told me, can I work? You know, where can I go to work? I want to work. But asylum seekers, when they arrive, they do not receive any federal funding. That's why we see, that's why we see the churches coming together with nonprofits, with community organizations to provide support and welcome and hospitality to asylum seekers. So they do not get any federal funding. Also, they are expected to find a lawyer to file a petition for asylum in federal court, in immigration court, and then to wait 150 days before they are allowed to request a work permit and then wait for that to be processed. So there's a tremendous lack of equity between the treatment of refugees and asylum seekers, and that is one of the reasons why we're asking about long-term housing. It would not be a problem if asylum seekers were to be treated equitably compared Mm -hmm. to refugees. Now, and the governor of Colorado was also sending buses of migrants to Chicago, saying that Denver was not their final destination. But after Mayor Lightfoot and Mayor Eric Adams of New York uh, spoke with him, he agreed to stop. What do you make of this? Yeah, I think um, when you speak with folks who are arriving, many of them don't know where they're being, you know, where they're at um, and may not have connections in any city. Um, And so what happens when folks get to Chicago is we ask, you know, the Catholic charities ask them, do you have family anywhere? Do you have friends anywhere? Would you like to go to them? And oftentimes they do, right? Maybe they have a place um, where they can arrive that's in Florida. And so we, you know, Catholic charities will purchase tickets for them to get to their loved ones or their friends. Um, What's happening is folks may arrive and may not know where to go. And so Colorado was, you know, um, saying folks, well, if you don't have anywhere to go or if you think Chicago is fine, even if you don't have a place to arrive at, you know, was putting folks in buses and, and having them come here. I don't think it was out of malice. I think it was out of the fact that they didn't necessarily know where to go and Colorado didn't necessarily have a plan to assist them. However, everybody needs to be, you know, doing their fair share standing up some shelters and working and providing some case management for new arrivals so new arrivals know, um, you know, how to be able to navigate some of these very complex systems that do exist for them. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we're talking about efforts to find permanent housing for the thousands of asylum seekers who've arrived from the southern border over the last several months. Our guests are Ere Rendon of the Resurrection Project and Reverend Sandra Castillo from the Episcopal Diocese of Chicago's Sanctuary Task Force. Reverend, uh, places of worship, they've been acting as sanctuaries for migrants, but also in some cases as makeshift shelters, right? So how are you working with congregations to take on the issue of of housing migrants? Well, it really depends upon the denominations um, uh, in the Chicago Diocese, the Episcopal Diocese of Chicago. We've been quickly going through a process of... uh, providing information and um, educating as many of our congregations as possible. Each congregation is different. Some of them have been uh, for many, many years uh, providing hospitality to refugees through the various refugee resettlement programs. Some of them are now talking about getting involved with uh, uh, housing asylum seekers. Uh, Some of them are now learning the importance of working in teams so that Congregations are forming teams, and they don't necessarily all have to be Episcopal uh, congregations. Uh, it takes a lot of energy. 
uh, in a lot of time uh, to work with asylum seekers, uh, and that really does depend upon where the asylum seekers come, if their primary language is an indigenous language or Spanish, um, if it's a family or an individual. And so um, we're in a very fast and rapid growing uh, learning process. But I have to tell you that um, in, uh, during the last several months that I have come across uh, in our Chicago metro area, I have come across uh, individuals and families and congregations and organizations that are extraordinarily, extraordinarily compassionate, extraordinarily generous mm-hmm. individuals who are providing uh, emergency housing to asylum seekers in their homes, um, uh, individuals who are escorting escorting uh, asylum seekers to doctor's appointments, uh, seeking services for them, particularly if they have been traumatized on the journey. Yeah. So uh, this is there's no one set answer to your question. It really depends upon the congregations, uh, their history, uh, what information they need, what um, other resources they need to be able to provide these, this kind of ministry. Yeah, it takes a lot of work to, to support uh, these people. Um, at a Earlier, the, the Reverend sort of laid out some of the legal differences between refugees and asylum seekers. In your view, what needs to change? Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, it is an incredibly complex process, kind of figuring out if you qualify for asylum and then, you know, all the forms are in English and you have to fill those all out, share your story about um, why you're seeking asylum, perhaps some of the trauma or, um, you know, threats or um, oftentimes uh, abuse that has happened in your home country. Um, You know, we need to advocate to change that and make it a simpler process. However, in the meantime, um, you know, we need uh, the, the city and uh, to uh, to provide funding for the legal service organizations in Chicago to be able to process those applications and help folks, right? It takes a lot of resources to have attorneys show up at the uh, shelters um, and do their legal intake. These are, you know, long conversations with every single one of the folks that have arrived um, and then help them fill out their application. But the city really does need to put resources behind this because it's not going to happen yeah. um, without resources. And folks only have one year to apply for asylum from when they arrive. Speaking of the city, I mean, Reverend, what do you want to hear from our next mayor? What do you want to hear from candidates that are in this mayor's race right now? Again, I think that the issue is one of equity. Um, we all, uh, every community in the city of Chicago must be uh, treated with dignity and respect. Yeah. Um, all communities, however, have responsibility to the broader community, to the broader city community. And so um, what I would like to hear from the candidates is how and what is their plan for assuring there there is equity in this case, equitable treatment of asylum seekers vis-a-vis the ability of different communities to provide resources like housing, education, um, medical care. Um, but this this goes way beyond. This issue of equity has been an issue in the city of Chicago for many years. It goes way beyond our current situation with asylum seekers. Education. What is our, going to be our investment in education? When the new elected city uh, uh, school board comes into play, are they going to be forced to pay expenses that previously 
uh, were carried by the city of Chicago budget. Um, how are we going to develop a workforce that will be able to be recruited by high-tech industry that provides them with uh, not only a living wage, but great yeah. opportunities uh, going into the future, rather than rather than making them employees in a gambling casino where they're going to be mm-hmm. in dead end jobs. So we're talking about housing, education, uh, social services. This goes way beyond yeah. the issue about the asylum seekers. We'll have the to leave it there. Part of this. Reverend Sandra Casio is chair of the Episcopal Diocese of Chicago's Sanctuary Task Force, and Eda Rendon is vice president of Immigrant Justice at the Resurrection Project. Thank you both. This episode of Reset was produced by Linnea Dominic and was edited by Andrew Merriweather. For continued coverage of what's happening to asylum seekers in Chicago and other major news stories, subscribe to our podcast. And when you do, be sure to share our podcast with a friend. Duh! That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.